Welcome back to a brand new episode of Full Metal RPG, episode number 66. I am your host, Brennan Carrion, and today I am joined by no one. That's right, flying solo here, cats, so we can just pretend like it's a little intimate conversation between me and you as you're, you know, grinding away at your job or driving around your car or whatever it is you do when you listen to podcasts. Um... Truth be told, it's probably very similar to the conversation we might actually have in real life because I'm told I do go on. Anyway, get right to it. Uh, Heather is at work. Adam is out of town. So it's just me, me and you, talking about some role-playing. You know, we're going to change things up a little bit. We're going to kind of move in a little bit of a different direction. Today, we're going to start with thanking our sponsors. I'd like to thank Game Depot in Tempe, Arizona for sponsoring the show. Thank you also for being the home of our Friday Night Game Club. If you're ever in Tempe or the greater Phoenix Metro area, we recommend you stop by Game Depot on Southern and McClintock and stop in, tell them that you heard about them on our show, and pick something up because Adam and Heather and I, we really believe in supporting your brick-and-mortar store, your friendly local game store, as it said, the FLGS. Uh... Game Depot's been very good to us. They got a great selection, and you know they're just—they're the kind of people who've been building role-playing community for as long as they've been open, which is like thirty years. So I mean, check out your brick-and-mortar store. Check out Game Depot. All right, our next sponsor is Exalted Funeral. That's our online sponsor. If you're looking for some kind of like off the beaten path, OSR dark dungeon type material check out exalted funeral they've got a couple kickstarters going on right now i mean they've got so much stuff going on i i can't even keep up so i don't know what they've got rocking on kickstarter right now um but i think i mean they had ultraviolet grasslands up uh very recently um that might still be going on so go ahead and check out exalted funeral and if you uh, purchase something from them, let them know that you heard about them here on the show. All right. Uh, you know, we got some pretty good responses for to episode uh, 64 and 65. A number of listeners wrote in and talked to us about what they heard. Um, so I just want to give a couple shout-outs. I want to give a shout-out to uh, Matt Waste, who... He, he's the proprietor of Wastoid Wares, and he wrote me and Adam some, like, really nice kind of, like, I don't know, just kind of, like, some some ups right after uh, episode 64 and 65 came out. And that had, you know, uh, episode 64 in particular was, like, just not an episode I was stoked to release in a certain way just because, I mean, the whole, f- the whole fucking thing was so kind of, like, sorted and... There, shouldn't, there should never have been a need for an episode 64, but we had to do it. And, um, you know, I'm just, I'm just happy that, that, uh, a number of people reached out to express their, you know, solidarity with us. Um, and, uh, and just kind of like the general take that that, uh, episode had. Um, additionally, I wanted to say thank you to, uh, William Cuthbertson, uh, Mark Boardman, Dan Caffone, and, uh, David Larkins for all writing in and saying what up. 
uh, in response to episodes number 64 and 65. It was good talking to all you guys. Thank you so much for uh, dropping a line. We really appreciate you, and we love we just love talking to you guys. Um, if you listen to the show and you want to talk to us, like totally totes hit us up. We got you know we want to talk about role playing, and that's what we do. We love to hear from you. If you if you love the show, or even just kind of basically tolerate it, we love you. We want to hear from you. All right, so um, I hear I hear you all saying, Brendan, what's the haps, man? What are you been up to, dog? Tell us all, tell us all about your life, Brendan. Tell us all about the fucking inane details of your fucking life. All right, so um, what have we been doing? Uh, I guess I guess the number one role playing project around here in terms of like playing has been the Necromunda campaign. The Necromunda campaign has become this like giant black hole into which my free time uh, uh, disappears. It, as it turns out, running a Necromunda campaign is a lot of work, kids. It's a lot of fucking work. Um, you got to really put in the hours. Uh, additionally, you know. I don't do anything by half, so trying to run the Necromanda campaign the way I want to run it has proven to be, like, again, you know, even more troublesome than if you were just going to do a Necromanda campaign. So, um, first thing we did is we got a a ton of terrain. We've just got a ton of terrain. And, um... Adam and uh, the homie Michael Marines uh, and the 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 old school cultist homie uh, Ben Bailey. We've all been like assembling terrain and putting terrain together, trying to get it painted. Uh, dude, I have inhaled so much fucking residual goddamn paint fumes. There there was a minute there when I was just like, I was just like, this is not this is not good for me. This like you know usually when you're doing hobby stuff, you're kind of like. Yeah, whatever. It's fucking, you know, collateral damage costs of doing business. But, oh, my God. I have been fucking painting so much Necromunda terrain with spray cans. I was just like, this This is not good. This is not good for the Brennan man. Um, a lot of that is MDF terrain. Some of it's dead zone terrain. Some of it is official GW terrain. It's all getting kind of squished together into a great big melange. Um that I think really is going to make the tabletop look uh, just just kind of like the jumble of technology and architectural styles that you would hope to see on a Necromunda board. Um, in time, I'm hoping to do more with it. I'm hoping to continue to keep adding more and more terrain to give the the sector that we're playing in like more and more character. Um, but so that's 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 been taking up a lot of time. Also, I went ahead and wrote a huge Necromunda like uh, campaign doc. It's about about twenty two pages long, a lot of words, um, kind of setting the tone for what we want to do with the Necromunda campaign. Uh, I, I'd say that primarily the document is concerned with um, kind of like the social aspect, where it's like, well, what can you expect to show up? Uh, I, I want people to really understand that it's a narrative event and it's meant for good times and a lot of socialization. Uh, and there's going to be a com- competitive angle, but really it's just, it's supposed to be a good time. You know, I mean, it ain't, it ain't a kill team tournament. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I, I really want it to be like when you show up to a role-playing game and you engage with that over the course of weeks or months or years. We're only playing once a month, so uh, this thing ain't gonna wrap until like September. And that's just that's that's like that's like the first adventure. The first adventure in the Necromunda campaign wraps in 
September. So I'm hoping that that's very successful. I'm hoping that we're going to be, that's something we're going to be able to keep doing. Uh, it's my hope to have a narrative document out for that very soon here because I do have big, big ideas for what I want to do with the storyline. And I want to seed the story itself with like a lot of uh, NPCs and signature locations and stuff like that. So the Underhive as an environment really comes to life and that there's a, there's a story arc or story arcs that are playing themselves out. Um, that's my goal. Uh, I'll let you guys know as we continue forward how that pans out. Because, uh, you know, one always hopes. One always hopes, right? Um, next, I guess I'd like to kind of take a second and sort of update you guys as to what's going on with Ravenous. Ravenous is going really well. Uh, Mark D.S. Truman and I have been meeting pretty regularly to talk about it. Um, right now what I'm working on is what's called an SRD, which is a standard resource document. I guess, something like that. Uh, it, it basically is the game. It's like the game, it's, it's, it's not the book. And the, one of the kind of things that I've kind of had to learn working with Mark is the difference between the game and the book. You know, the the book is, the, is, is where it's, it's all set out in a way that's like fun to read and it's like engaging and maybe it has a certain voice to it that is designed to put particular imagery in your head and draw you into the narrative. The game is just rules. It's just it's just a bunch. It's just what the 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 mechanics and the core ideas necessary to convey how to play the game, and then all that other more kind of like uh, literary in a certain way kind of stuff can be written around the game to create the book. Do you see what I'm saying? So right now uh, I'm I'm a bit overdue on. Uh, the SRD for Ravenous, because there's just like a lot of stuff that has to go into it. We um, spent a lot of time working on new playbooks and then getting the uh, the mechanic for how the vampires like function together as a group, like settled. Because that's the real crux of the game is that. There's a lot of tension between the players. One of the, when I when I used to run Vampire the Masquerade a lot, when I ran Vampire the Requiem a lot, it was really important to me that even uh, within the group at the table that there was a lot of tension constantly. And so it's uh, in in sitting down to write like my version of a vampire game, I want to make sure that uh, there's a real sense of tension and push and pull in between the players as. Like, like right from session one. And we'll see how that goes. Uh, so we have that. That's that's ready to rock. Then um, Mark really pushed me to uh, create a serious uh, feeding mechanic. He wanted the the way that feeding worked to... And I, I mean, I wanted it to be differentiated from other games. And he pushed me to really make sure that it was different. And I, and I feel like we've got something really special. I feel like, I feel like, I feel like we're onto something. Uh, and, and when, when, when I first was writing the game, the thing that to me stuck out was the, uh, the social mechanic and how the, it, it sort of like pitted the players against each other in one way while forcing them to rely on another one another in a different way. And I thought, okay, well, this is the this is the high point of the game. And then 
I wrote the feeding mechanic and I was like, holy shit, these two fucking things just, they just go so well together. They just, it's just fucking rad. So, um, I mean, uh, nah, I sound like an asshole, but, but anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm enthused. I think it's going to be really great. Uh, the, when this SRD is finished, it will also have the combat section in it and it will have moves for each playbook. And, um, at that point it's just, it's fucking ready to go, man. At that point, you know, everything else after that is window dressing. So, uh, we're kind of closing in on that game being like fully playable to the point where I could just send out a document and like somebody else could just look at it and conceivably be able to read it and run it from there at their own table, which is very exciting. I mean, that's exciting times, but, um, it's kind of like when you're painting a Warhammer army, you know, you, you, you get to this point, you think you're done and you're like, Oh, I'm not done. Or you think, Oh, well definitely by this weekend I'll be done. And then you're not done. So, um, just, you know, this a lot goes into that. Uh, there've been some high highs and some low lows with that. Uh, but you know, work continues. The, that game was conceived of in the summer of 17. So we're closing in on two years here. <laughs> Whoo! This is for a game that I thought I could write in three months. I remember when I was first writing, I was like, I'm going to fucking bang this thing out in three months, man. Fucking crazy. I'm a fucking, I, sir, am a brilliant writer. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to crush out a game in three months. It's my first one. Ha <laughs> ha. Lol. Life, kids. Anyway, so uh, that's where that's at. I guess kind of like the big, the big deal here is um, that Adam, Heather, and I went to OrcCon in Los Angeles uh, a couple weeks ago. It was in uh, February, right after Valentine's Day. So um, OrcCon is uh, part of like the Strategicon family of gaming conventions in Los Angeles. It's at the uh, airport Hilton, and they have three a year, one every four months they have of, uh, of, of Strategicon events. Orcon being one of them. We were invited out there by uh, Victor Bug, and so I just want to take a second. I want to thank Victor Bug and Jim Sandoval in particular for inviting out Full Metal RPG, having us come out, and just showing us such a great time. I mean, uh, I had been to some strategic cons previously back in the old back in the day. I'm sure you guys are all sick of fucking hearing about it, but. Here we go again. Um, when I lived in LA, I was kind of getting back into role playing, and uh, I was super broke all the time, so I never had any money. But I would go to the Strategicon because you can walk around the dealer hall for free, and um, I mean, those were, I always found that to be really fun. It was always a really fun experience, and it was just kind of like an easy con to go to and to hang out. Um, I didn't have money for badges, and I certainly didn't play back then, but I always went because it was just a cool way to kind of like interact with the scene and interact with the people. Um, and then to have Victor and Jim bring us out, and we were there as like the special guests of 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 that orc con, and that was just amazing. It's really difficult to put into words. Like how that makes you feel when uh, you get to sort of like live something like that. To go from being like a dude who was kind of like shuffling around the hallways, like kind of like looking at books you can't afford, to this point where they're like, oh no, we want, you're going to do like a con meet and greet, and like all the con organizers are going to be there, and like a suite, and there's food, and there's drinks, and 
we all want to hear you talk about your experience and we want to hear about the podcast. We want to hear about what you guys are doing in your work, what you contribute to the world in terms of role playing and stuff. And uh, I mean, it was just crazy. It was nuts, you know. It was it was, it was kind of weird. It was like it was, just, it was just this weird thing where I mean, maybe my expectations for life are low. I don't know, but like it was weird to me to be in that in that position, and I was humbled by it because uh, it was so great. It was so fun, and I I mean, I mean, it was it was just the kind of thing that if somebody had had told me way back then when I was like walking around listening to Darker Days Radio on my uh, my like, my iPhone four. <laughs> Somebody had said, "Oh, hey, you know, in uh, like say five years, you're gonna be at Strategicon, and you're gonna be a special guest talking to them about what Strategicon means to you." I've been like, "Bullshit, man, bullshit." So that was great. That was great. Uh, we just we just had such a good such a good time, and we felt so welcome. That was on Friday night. We got in. Adam and I, man, we were kind of looking to here. We're gonna get into some anecdotes here. Adam and I were just kind of looking to cut cut loose a little bit, so we went down to the hotel bar, and uh, we ran into some cool gamer peeps, and we were uh, sitting around chatting, and we had a couple, you know what I'm saying? And man, I was like super hungry, um, and you know, it was, it was kind of a dim bar. It was dimly lit, okay? And these people just like down the way from me, they had these this gi- giant pile of nachos, and uh, and. Uh, I was like, man, those nachos look good. You know how like you do when you're when you, I don't know. I do this when I'm drunk, but like I was like, oh man, I want those nachos. Anyway, so I ordered this giant fucking pile of nachos, and they bring them out to me, and uh, my first thought is is like, oh, those do not look as good up close as they do far away, right? But then I'm like, I think to myself, dog, how can nachos go wrong? It's like the easiest thing in the world, right? I literally eat this like giant plate, like a, a plate that's like the size of like a laptop computer, you know, when like a laptop computer that's like folded up. It's like about that big, maybe a little bit smaller than that, but about, you, can, you know, about that big, full of nachos. I eat the whole thing, and then Adam and I go to the meet and greet, and I think nothing else of it, of course, right? Then that night, I like wake up, and I f- fucking feel terrible, and I'm like, oh man, heartburn, son, and then about two seconds later, I'm like... That's no heartburn. And I spent the rest of the night like fucking just puking in the uh in the re- in the in the, the the bathroom of our hotel room that Adam and I had been uh had been sponsored for us by uh by uh the con. Uh now I want to mention here that this is not the con's fault. This is this is this is this is the 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 hotel bar at the airport Hilton in Los Angeles. This is on them, man. Anyway, so I'm like laying there on the fucking floor, like the. I mean, dude, dude, like my face was gray. I saw my face in the mirror, and it was like gray and covered in sweat. And I was just like, "Oh Jesus, look at this sorry, sorry state that I'm in." And so I'm like trying to lay on the floor because the tiles are cool, you know what I'm saying? And I'm all like, my stomach's, you know, revolting. And uh, I managed to get like a little bit of sleep. The next morning when I get up, right, I'm like, oh, Adam, dude, I'm so sorry I kept you up last night with all that vomiting. He's like, oh, what? Huh? Uh, I didn't hear anything. So, uh, hey, huzzah to that. Either Adam is a real deep sleeper or he's a super polite guy, but it is definitely one of those things. I don't know. I'm getting old, I guess. Like, uh, you know. There was a time in my life when like vomiting in front of my friends, I just like, like whatever it was 
well, I guess that's what you did. Um, but now I'm kind of, I was like deeply ashamed. I was just like, oh God, keeping my friend up. My, my, my poor dear friend who just wants to sleep in a nice Hilton bed. And I am keeping him awake with the sounds of retching. But uh, the all, all Saturday, I did not feel... I was not 100%. I had no energy. I was just like drinking 7-Up, trying to fucking... You know, I mean, it wasn't like I was trying to keep my chips down or nothing, but I was just trying to keep some energy about it, you know? I mean, I hadn't slept. My stomach felt terrible. By the time um, the evening came around, I was starting to feel like more myself uh and that was you know so so we did end up going out and getting some some dinner later but uh most of the day i did not feel great um because of that i didn't sign up to play any games the only thing i ended up playing was uh adam ended up running uh james vale zoster kala for games on demand down there um they had a cool little kind of mustard system, and then they had, like, all the indie kids who were, like, into the weird indie games and shit, like, went down in this kind of, like, little basement area. And everybody pitched their games, and uh, it was crazy, man, because I don't think... I think there was, like, one game that didn't go off. It was, like, a Dungeon World game, I think, because I think it was Dungeon World, uh, some dude running Temple of Elemental Evil with Dungeon World. It was just kind of like... Uh, I mean... I, which is not to say that either one of those things is bad, or even that the combination of that is bad. Just that the people who were there were obviously there for a different experience. So uh, th- that was the thing that was like the closest to almost like vanilla role playing that that was being pitched there, and so it was the only thing that didn't come off. Everything else, everything else went off. Uh, Chris Gray was there doing demos of uh, Gray American Novel that's currently on Kickstarter, and every single table that he had was packed. He had like six to eight people in every single game of Great American Novel. And then there was there was even a dude there running Good Society uh, from Story Brewers, which I had never seen. And uh, I mean Heather Heather got one. I got one for Heather for Christmas, but um. I had never played it, and I've never even seen it being played anywhere, so it was really cool to see that one out in the wild. Uh, of course, Ab is running Zoss, so I ain't going to pass on that. And uh, Mark Kelly was hanging out, uh, famous illustrator, White Wolf illustrator. Uh, you can check him out, Grim Ventures on Instagram. He was hanging out with us, uh, and he was like, we're, hey, we're like, hey, you want to play Zoss or whatever? And so he jumped in. So it was me, Adam, Heather, this dude who um, was kind of like running the indie area there. His name is Atomer, who was a real cool dude. Very kind of like, uh, I think he was wearing like a Gauntlet, Gauntlet podcast t-shirt. And you could totally tell that he was like vibing on that kind of like PBTA, like indie game community. Uh, he just he just felt really in sync with it. He felt like I interacted with him a couple times over the course of the con, and he just really seems to have that sort of spirit of creativity and that sort of vibe like down. Um, so I think he's actually going to be at uh, New Mexicon coming up here in April, and uh, I'm stoked to catch up with Tomer there again if he is available. Um, so we played Zoss and. Uh, that that was rad. <laughs> that was rad, man. Um, Adam ran it, and then uh, we did kind of like a real. He, he had some pre-made characters, and then we kind of put some details on them. 
Uh, and he ran us through some kind of like selected scenes from the Nightmares of the Dead Dreamers kind of like scenario that he and I had reviewed like a fucking million years ago uh, before James kicked the game. And it was just, I mean, it was just so, it was, it was, it was a lot of fun, first of all. Second of all, the, the game, the game runs very easy. It's very easy once you kind of, kind of grasp the system to uh, understand what it is that you're doing. So that's easy. Uh, and you don't have to put a whole lot of thought into it. You can just kind of be like, yeah, but boppity, this is what I'm doing. Um, and then the setting itself is so just sort of like baroque and like overwhelmingly ghastly. It's just, just, it's just. I mean, it's really difficult to overstate how just oppressive the 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 environment that you find yourself in is, and your character kind of is ushered from one. Um, horror show to another in that adventure you kind of just like it's almost like this fun house of atrocity and you just you leave one room and you're like oh well that was that was horrifying and then you go into another room and you're like oh that was really disgusting but at a certain point there were these key scenes that really uh kind of honed in on like an emotional response and I'm not going to lie. There were a couple of real gut punch scenes in there. They weren't just splatterpunk shock value kind of kind of horror. They made you feel. And that's the essence of horror when you are horrified by what's what you're encountering. Um, so there were two scenes in particular that were like that in the game that we played. I won't sit here and spoiler it for you. I kind of want to. I want to tell you all about it and like what it was that we experienced. But uh, I would prefer it if you went and played the game. So that's Zosser Kala. That's what that's that's X A S space I R K A L L A. Zosser Kala. Yeah, I had to picture it in my head. And um. I, I think you should be able to get that on Exalted Funeral, no problem, um, if they have it in stock. Because, I mean, I ordered I ordered one for a friend of mine off of Exalted Funeral, and it was just, boom, the, the shipping was super fast. So also, you know, and what up to James Vale, man, if you're listening? Uh, we had a great time playing the game. There, Adam played with an X card <clears throat> because, I mean, you're at a... First of all, we're we're at a con and we're at the indie room, and an X card was required. I I don't know. I'm, I I have this suspicion. I haven't spoken to James about anything like this in a while. I have a suspicion that James would be unhappy to hear that his game is being run with an X card. But we did have one out. I'm not gonna lie, kids. Uh, Uncle Brendan almost slammed that X card. Uncle Brendan almost tapped out. There was <laughs> there was this a uh, there was a this scene that was like like really like fecal in nature and uh you do i have a tough time with that you know i got you know i don't mind pushing all kinds of buttons in other ways but when it comes to like the poop <laughs> oh i just oh man and i was like uh as we were sitting there there was this thing and it was kind of playing out and i was like 
if this if we keep going in this direction, I'm hitting the card because I don't I can't, I don't want to even deal with this anymore. And this is this is after I spent the whole night like regurgitating my nachos. You know they they were like burning on their way up. Um, and uh, and uh, I was just like I was like mentally preparing myself for the moment when I when I slam that that X card. And then the scene went in a different direction. It was over, and I was like, whew, all right, cool, cool. Didn't have to tap out on that one in, like, a very literal fashion. Oh, and then Mark Kelly, another another highlight of that game was Mark Kelly was playing this, like, weird kind of, like, stone guy. Because, like, I think that the game kind of presumes that you're playing humans, humanoids, you know? Um but the guys that were playing there, they wanted to play kind of weird, different stuff, and um, and uh, so so Mark Kelly's character was like, like kind of like a stone this this stone guy. He was from a dimension where you're like a human looking dude, but you're like made of stone. And dude, that guy was just so funny. He was just, <laughs> I was busting up with his descriptions of like what his character was doing, and and like his character like vomiting sand and. It, it was really funny. I don't know. Maybe you had to be there. Maybe you're like uh, rolling your eyes right now. I don't know. Uh, but I, I, I had a great time with that. So, um, so yeah, uh, Zazrakawa, if you get a chance to play it, I highly recommend it. Um, Strategicon. Uh, oh, you know, so I haven't, didn't discuss Sunday at all. Then, the, so then Sunday I was back. I was Brendan was back, baby. Like I got some good sleep, uh, I had some dinner, I felt energized, um, what did I do with that? What did I do with that time, with that energy? Oh, you know what happened, is Mark Kelly came down, and he did, we did a little photo shoot, right? Uh, the homie Chris Kohler of Wild in the Streets came up, uh, from San Diego, and Mark came over, and he, and we all were hanging out, and, and Mark was like, hey, uh, I could use some more images of you know people or whatever for my uh, for my for my files because he does the the photo art. He's like, what what do you guys think? Do you want to do that? And so we were like, you know, Adam and I, we were just like, uh, of course, <laughs> fucking amazing. Um, and uh, we went we went down into the uh, the what's it called the parking garage, and uh, Mark set up all his stuff. We did. It was like the most LA thing. It's like, oh yeah, let's do a fucking photo shoot. We're in LA. We're in LA, guys. Let's do a fucking photo shoot. So, um, uh, Mark took some pictures of me first, and then he took some pictures of Adam, and then we uh managed to convince Heather to get her picture taken too, and we even got Chris Kohler there uh in front of the camera. And so, who knows? You know, keep keep an eye on at Grim Ventures on Instagram. And maybe you'll see some of us showing up as vampires or something, or uh, I don't know anything. Mark does a lot of work with uh, a lot of different games, and so we could we could show up as anything. It's the the possibilities are literally limitless. Anyway, I just kind of want to thank Mark for for hanging out with us all weekend. He showed up on Friday night and hung out with us in the convention suite, the, the special guest suite, and. Uh, we played with him on Saturday, and then we did photo shoot Sunday. We had dinner with him Saturday night. Uh, we 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 tried out the uh, the Beyond Meat Burgers at uh, Carl's Jr. I mean, it was just it was just so fun to hang out with him. Uh, I really want to thank him for the good time. And then uh, you know, Chris 
coming up from San Diego. It's always so good to see that guy. He brought me and Adam our uh, Black Metal Gangs from the most recent Wild in the Streets Kickstarter. And uh, and we were hanging out. We were talking Warhammer. We were talking miniatures. Uh, Chris and I are going to be at Adepticon at the end of this month. So if you're in the Schaumburg slash Chicago area and you want to come out and you want to hang with uh, me and Chris, uh, do some miniatures, man. Uh, come out for that. Uh, so we were just hanging out. We were talking about... We're talking about we're talking about, a lot about 40k because you know you know how it is. Spent a lot of time talking about 40k, and I had Necromunda on my mind. Uh, Chris brought um, like a paint stand for me that he had made out of MDF, uh, laser cut MDF, because he wants me to give up on the uh, Citadel paint pots and move to some some like big boy pants, and I'm like. Yeah, but I already spent like $500 on Citadel paints. Anyway, um, so we all went out to lunch, and then, you know, Chris bought us lunch uh, at, at Denny's, which is great. It was like full gamer weekend. These are the things, guys, that are like walking distance from the fucking L, you know, L.A. Hilton, okay? It's kind of weird down there. Uh, so these, these are the, this, is what, this is what we could walk to easily. And I, I sure as shit wasn't eating anything at the fucking uh, Hilton restaurant anymore. Which, by the way, again, I want to reiterate, that has nothing to do with the con. I, I, if, if I were you, I just if I would go to the con, but I would not eat at the Hilton. I would go, I would go down to the, that fucking uh, Carl's Jr. on the corner. That place is clean. Uh, the Denny's, that place is clean. The Hilton, man, whatever the fuck is going on in that restaurant... I wouldn't, I wouldn't fuck with it. Oricon. Oricon was a great time. Uh, Heather, I really wish she was able to be on the show because uh, she had a great time with it too. And she was just remarking about what a pleasant con it was. And without putting too fine a point on it, you know, one of the things that she mentioned to me was that cons can be kind of a weird place for our female friends who game. Um, there's like a lot of... A lot of people down there who still don't know how to act around uh, females and uh, our, our female gamer friends have a tough time being in those environments. And so it's always important for us as male gamers to be keeping that in mind and trying to create welcoming, uh, safe, uh, and non-kind of um, uh, mansplaining environments. And uh, she she reported to me that she felt like uh, uh, OrcCon hit all those notes. That it was uh, fun, supportive, safe, and uh, and she always felt like she was treated like as an equal there. So, um, you know, I mean, I, I don't think you can get much higher praise. Like it was just run really tightly. Everything there made sense. Um, I'm stoked to go back. I think that Adam and I are going to probably try and work that into our little kind of yearly con tours that we sort of do as Full Metal RPG. And so um, I'm looking forward to returning to Los Angeles soon to participate in the uh, con community there because, um, what can I say, man? They throw a hell of a con. They throw a hell of a con. Great time. Great time. We had a great time. So, you know, with all that having been said, I think we're going to take a, like, it's a real quick break because you're probably getting sick of hearing me like barking at you. And then when we come back, I'm going to do a little review that I've been kind of threatening to do for a hot minute here um, for a game called Dark Conspiracy. So we'll see you in just a minute. <laughs> Yeah. 
show. We really appreciate it. Uh, now, it's been, you know, one of the things people seem to like us doing is they like the reviews. You know, Adam and I, we read a lot of books, and so we review a lot of books. We could review more. So here's one for you now, kids. Dark Conspiracy First Edition by Lester Smith. Copyright 1991, GDW Games. 336 pages. I think I've been threatening to get a review of Dark Conspiracy First Edition on the show for a few months now. It's been an earnest intention thwarted by the comings and goings of daily life. It's a great game in a certain way, Dark Conspiracy. If you're a 90s role player like I am, there's a certain satisfaction that you will gain simply from lifting the book. It has a pulpy weight and heft that is indicative of that era's RPG books. The pages are, for the most part, black and white, not color, and are matte, not glossy. The front cover is by legendary industry illustrator Larry Elmore, and you may well recognize it. I've found as I've carried the book around, showing it to my friends in the scene, that while many people recall the image, they never played the game. The cover is almost a counterpoint to what I consider to be Elmore's most seminal work, his classic cover for 1989's Shadowrun First Edition. The image shows a similarly street-level scene, only instead of two groups of cyberpunk operatives battling it out down a trash-strewn alley, we have a group of secret agents uncovering a nest of subterranean ghouls. Where Elmore lavished the cover of Shadowrun with royal blues and synthwave tones, Dark Conspiracy is rendered in the color of rust with warm nostalgic glow of lighted windows in the background. It's interesting because the two books came out so close to each other, within three years, which is important to remember that at that time, culture transformed at a rate that was slower and almost ironically more difficult to perceive. Dark Conspiracy released the same year as the first edition of Vampire the Masquerade, and it's impossible to understand these games without an appreciation for the context in which they were created. 88 to 91 represented a shift in what role-playing was all about. This period of four short years saw the publication of Cyberpunk 2013, Shadowrun 1st E, Nightlife, Chill 2nd E, and Vampire. You could almost say that this was an era in which postmodernism came to role-playing. And it did so through the lens of horror, splatterpunk, violence, and cyberpunk. The interior art is a mixture of comic book camp and graphic design that belays the time in which it was written. Certain images will draw you into the story that the game says how to tell. Certain images will eject you from that narrative forcefully. The art serves as a fitting metaphor for the game that you find inside. It's a complex beast, created in a time of transition, and is neither one thing or another. And for that, if nothing else, it's worthy of note. So all that aside, Dark Conspiracy is a sci-fi horror game set in the quote-unquote near future of the early 21st century. You take on the role of minion hunters, otherwise ordinary humans who, for whatever reason, have had the scales lifted from their eyes only to realize that society is being run by a shadowy and distant cabal of extra-dimensional monsters. It's a pretty shitty society, too. You could consider this sort of a pre-cyberpunk setting with computers and weird gadgets that would probably seem pretty sophisticated to someone from 1991, but leave the 2019 gamer suppressing a smirk. There's a lot to do in this game. The monsters that are tightening their grip on Earth are doing so through the control of monolithic institutions. They have infiltrated society at every level. 
They control the cops and the corporations and maybe even have weird distant cousin type buddies crawling around in the sewers, feasting on the corpses of wayward souls. You've got to hunt these beings down and expose their conspiracies and attempt to bring the destiny of the human race back under the control of humans. Some of this may sound pretty familiar now, and it's well-trod ground. Keep in mind that this book came out a couple years before The X-Files, and only about a year or so after Rifts. This kind of stuff was just in the air, part of the popular imagination. The best thing about Dark Conspiracy is probably the setting. All these years later, there is still really nothing quite like it. Your character has got high-tech problems, but not so high-tech that the world either doesn't make sense or is unapproachable. There's all kinds of interesting locations you can use from corporate towers to filthy ghettos. You can explore the wasteland of pre-cyberpunk middle America, or you can excavate hidden history from ancient chambers paved over by modern infrastructure. There are plenty of different types of monsters here and lots of room for you to build your own and really create the kind of campaign world that you want to see. Meta plot be damned. There are even little gray aliens, for Christ's sake. Some of them have been possessed by infernal beings from an alternate dimension or using faster-than-light-speed technologies to hasten their plots on Earth. There are also a number of different tones you can apply, all the way from 90s action movie down to Cronenbergian body horror. The big problem with Dark Conspiracy is its system. It's a big, cumbersome relic from a time when the simplicity and accessibility of a game were bugs, not features. The system utilized by Dark Conspiracy is a minor variant of GDW's house engine, which also powered its most famous game, Twilight 2000. Twilight 2000 is still famous among veterans of the armed forces for its detailed simulationist approach to role-playing. You'll find all sorts of rules for things like short bursts from full automatic rifles down to details on piloting watercraft. While completely straying into the realm of too much, Dark Conspiracy does work in a system for piloting spacecraft in zero gravity, with an emphasis placed on emulating the real concerns of such an undertaking. Again, it's too much, but I award them points for effort, and the zero-g piloting chapter is kind of cute. If you are thinking about collecting Dark Conspiracy, I would stick to the first edition. There are lots of copies available, and they are relatively inexpensive. There are perhaps more books to it than I initially estimated when I set out to be a completionist. I think there's something like 15 in the line. There was a second edition published in the late 90s, but the prices for it are outrageous. It wasn't even a real second edition either. To the best of my understanding, it was the first e-material cut up and reorganized to make more sense. One of the optional systems from First E became the baseline system, and they mixed in rules from a number of source books into two core handbooks. What you really need to play is the First E core, the Empathic source book, the PC booster, and Dark Tech. That's it. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this review. If you get a chance to take a look at Dark Conspiracy First Edition, I recommend that you do. Also, there is a fourth edition. That's right, there was apparently a third edition that never got released floating around out there. 
coming to Kickstarter in a couple weeks from Clockwork Games in Germany. I'll be having developer Jason Dural on shortly to talk to me about what you can expect from the next iteration of that classic game. All right, everybody. Well, you know, that's it. We're going to have to forego the sort of like conversation portion where, you know, we hash out what was just said about the review. But, uh, you know, maybe the cult has some thoughts on Dark Conspiracy for its edition. If you guys have played it, if you have thoughts, feelings, opinions, please get at me. I want to hear them. Uh, let's discuss Dark Conspiracy, and then again, I just want to point out that while this was a review for the first edition, the fourth edition is eminent. Uh, it was announced at Gen Con like about a year ago. They've been working on it. It's getting ready to hit Kickstarter, and we're going to have devs on to talk about it. So now is a really kind of interesting and exciting time for Dark Conspiracy. Uh, I'm hoping that we're going to see some of the kind of like... Uh, the kind of rusty edges maybe kind of shined off of it, and that we're going to see the game kind of mature into just like the really great kind of postmodern, gritty sci-fi horror game that can become. Uh, you know, I just want to thank everybody for taking time to listen, even though it was just me kind of gnawing on your ear here. And, uh, you know, if you want to reach out to us on Insta, uh, it's at RPG. You can also find my, you know, if you're if you're into this Warhammer shit, you can also check out my um my Warhammer Insta. It's uh, at Coven of the Black Tongue, and that's one word, Coven of the Black Tongue, one word, uh, and that's where you see me post all my like Necromunda and my Dark Eldar and shit like that. Uh, you can find Full Metal RPG on Facebook. We have a pretty decent group going there. Uh, our website is FullMetalRPG.com. And you know what? We were doing, trying to do the Twitter thing, and I'm not doing the Twitter thing anymore because fuck that noise, man. I went on there, and that place is just toxic. I just can't take it. Like, I mean, dude, like, Facebook's not great place to hang out. But, you know, Instagram, and I got to say, Instagram never let me down in the way that Twitter has. It's just, you know, I feel like Full Metal RPG came from a family that developed on Instagram first. And I haven't been on Instagram much lately, I'm not going to lie, uh, but I miss I miss my Instagram family, so I want to be back, and as soon as I can get these, whatever the, whatever the F is going on with my stupid fucking Instagram account sorted out, I'm going to be back on a regular basis, so uh, thank you everybody for listening, um, you know keep your ears peeled for uh, episode 67 and then we've got like a lot of interesting reviews coming up we have got some great giveaways too coming up guys so now is the time um if you are going to be at adepticon uh hit me up i will be taking my necromunda gang with me and i'll be taking an undead force for kings of war vanguard I would love to hang out with you. I would love to play either some Necromunda or some Kings of War Vanguard. Um, Adam and Heather will be at Arizona Game Fair on that same weekend. So uh, if you're in the greater Phoenix Metro area and you uh, are looking for something to do the last weekend of March, hit up Arizona Game Fair, hang out with the Full Metal RPG guys, get some games. There's going to be a fucking ton of role-playing going on there, plus board games, card games, all kinds of stuff. Huge dealer hall. Uh, if I wasn't going to Dipticon, that's where I would be. All right. Uh, in the meantime, again, thank you to Exalted Funeral. Again, thank you to Game Depot. And uh, if you're looking to get some, say, Shadows of the Demon Lord, hit me up. Meet me down at Game Depot. Let's play. All right. Thanks for everything, cultists. Have a good night. <laughs>